This morning, someone decided to give me free reign to speak on whatever I wanted to. It's normally a very dangerous thing. <laughs> Sorry? Do you like to, we can talk football if you want. Does anyone want to talk football? Does anyone want to talk Champions League? You know, you know. Let's be good. No, we're not going to talk about football. Um, but what? Star Wars. No, we're not going to talk about Star Wars. I am so predictable, aren't I? Honestly, it's, it's terrible. No, but it was a miracle uh, during the week. Uh, <laughs> um, but we'll put that aside. We're not here for football. Um, I've been reading uh, a lot uh, in, the, in the scriptures about um, what Jesus did after the resurrection. Uh, as John was just talking then about um, what evidence is there for the resurrection and uh, all that kind of stuff. You know, for me, um, that's what I just kind of like in my own devotional is just, just trying to look at some of the things um, that uh, Jesus did after the resurrection. And uh, a few years ago, we went to Soul Survivor and uh, Mike Pilavachi, who is a bit of a hero um, for youth workers, he spoke on this passage and it really struck me the way he brought it to light. And I read, I started to read the Gospels in, in a kind of a different way. I, I try and put myself in the shoes or the sandals of the disciples and all those that were there at the time. Uh, I think it's really important uh, to try and think about it from that point of view. And um, one, of the, one of the people that I really like in, in the whole of the Gospels is Peter. I don't know why. There's something about Peter that I really like. And um, uh, Peter, for me, uh, as we spoke about on Easter Sunday, there was a few of us uh, sharing a little bit of, of, of the sermon. Charlotte started off talking about the ladies uh, going to the tomb, and then I talked about uh, Peter and the other disciple who ran for the tomb, and um, Ian then spoke a little bit uh, later on as well. And I talked about Peter uh, kind of like being the slower of the two disciples running uh, to see if Jesus was there or not, and... Um, the other disciple overtakes him, uh, beats him in the race to the tomb, but doesn't go in. But Peter goes straight in because he wants to see uh, if this is true. So like I said, I like Peter. I love his character. I like his abruptness sometimes. Uh, I like his passion and his zeal. Um, so I'm going to look at John 21 this morning. So if you have got... Bibles, um, you might want to start turning um, to John 21. And as, as, we, as we kind of start to read it, I want to actually look at um, uh, a little bit of the end of John 20, just so it gives us a bit of context um, to where we are at. Um, and we read in John 20 that Jesus appeared to them all on that first day. And then again, a week later, because Thomas wasn't there for some reason. We don't know why, but Thomas wasn't there. So Jesus appears the second time round, and um, Thomas kind of like asks the question of, of, is it really you? I'll touch the wounds and know that it is really you. In my head, I'm asking the question, where was Thomas? What's he doing? Why is he not with the rest of them? What's he going about doing? I mean, it doesn't matter, but these are the kind of things 
um, that kind of roll around in my head. I love the fact that actually Jesus turns up in, says in, in John 20 that the room was locked and Jesus just appears. Kind of like if you couldn't want more, it was just Jesus appearing was, was enough. But no, he still wanted to touch the wounds. Then he believes. And it says at the end of John 20 that Jesus did many miraculous signs in the presence of the disciples. But they're not written in this book. But there's enough written that you will believe that Jesus is the Son of God. It's not a lot that's written. But we believe that Jesus is the Son of God because of the evidence of the Gospels and those that saw Jesus afterwards. To me, it sounds like Jesus was kind of proving that he was who he said he was. That he announces himself to people in very strange ways now and again. Kind of like on the road to Emmaus, where they're not quite sure it's him. Um, And he's given that authority to say, look, I am who I said I am. What I'm going to do is what I said I'm going to do. Um, And the disciples, I think, at this point, when we're reading in John's Gospel, I try and put myself in the place of Peter and the others who only a few days before had seen their friend, their, their leader, beaten, battered, crucified. Peter had gone the whole hog and totally denied that he even knew Jesus So the emotional state, I think, of these disciples at this point is is quite all over the place. They've they've kind of seen Jesus, they're elated, but where is he again? He was with us all the time, and now he's kind of just appearing to us now and again. I kind of put my head in the the kind of like the older teenage disciple um, notion of who these guys are. Those young men, kind of like trying to get a grasp of what's going on here. Because they had been on an emotional roller coaster. So we turn to John 21, and I'm going to read it. It says, Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, which is Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, The sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realise that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, but they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. 
But even with so many, uh, so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and he gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. I love this story. John's Gospel tells that there's only seven of the disciples together. Just seven of them. There's Peter. Thomas is with them this time. Probably hanging out with them because he doesn't want to miss out on Jesus turning up again. You've got Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, who are James and John, and two other disciples. And again, my brain starts to think, where are the others? What are they doing? Why are they not all together? They've been together for three years, been uh, following this Jesus. Why are they not together? Now, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter, but I'll ask them when I'm in glory. It's as simple as that. What were you doing? Going about their business, possibly. In verse 3, it gives us a bit of a clue as to what these uh, seven are about to do. In verse 3, I'll read it. It says, uh, Simon Peter just says, I'm going out to fish. There's part of me that reads this in the, he's going out to fish, but there's part of me that's just like, Peter's sitting there, probably on the edge of Galilee, a little bit frustrated, a little bit elated, a little bit confused, and almost in that kind of petulant kind of thing, the only thing I know to do is to fish. So he says, I'm going out to fish. That's it. It's that abruptness. I'm going out. That's all I know. And the disciples, it says, yeah, we, we, will, we will join you. Just like that. We'll go and we'll, we'll join you. And it says in verse 3, we'll go with you. So they went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Not a thing. So already they're on an emotional roller coaster. They're now in the boat. They haven't caught a thing all night. They're probably very tired, very irritable. And in verse 4, we read, Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realise that it was Jesus. Probably because they're about 100 yards or so from the shore, you know, might not be able to focus on them. This is a bit I love. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? Now, I kind of think that something clicked in Peter's head at this point. He's frustrated, he's cold, he's tired, we've got no fish, this is what I know good, this is what I know best about, Jesus isn't around, I don't know where he's at. So it says in the scripture um, here, uh, they just all exclaim, no. Now I've just said that from a very British, calm perspective. I'm now thinking of my perspective as I would be with a young Jewish man in a boat that hasn't caught anything all night long on a roller coaster of emotions. And all of them together are probably, No! Never caught a thing! All night! Who is this joker on the shore? He's about him. Nightmare. Sitting there, never caught a thing. 
You see, Peter has kind of like this a brash, abrupt guy. You know, a few days later, uh, earlier, he cut off a temple guard's ear. You know, he's kind of like, he's ready for a fight, this kind of guy. And you can just imagine him in the boat, just getting so frustrated. And Jesus says in verse 5, or sorry, verse 6, throw your net on the other side of the boat and you'll find some. I'm tapping my fingers because I think this is what Peter would be at this point. Who is this bloke on the shore saying, let's throw it on the other side? Who does he think he is? Of course, I'm a fisherman. I'm in the boat. Let's just throw the nets on the other side, lads. Come on, let's do it. Who does he think he is? You can actually imagine the faces of the disciples as all of a sudden they are straining with the amount of fish that they're in the nets. So they've gone from this kind of, who is this joker on the shore telling us uh, or asking us, have we caught any fish? to then be the experts by saying, throw the net on the other side. It's all of a sudden having their nets full of fish, saying that it's on the edge of breaking. And in verse 7, we read that the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. It is the Lord. And as soon as Peter hears the words, it is the Lord, he wraps his outer garment around himself and he's in the water. And he is swimming. He is swimming with all he has got. He isn't waiting to row back. He's in the water. Absolutely desperate. To see Jesus. It says that the other disciples follow in the boat with the fish. In verse 11, we see that Jesus does well in lighting a fire. Probably a good, you know, Boys Brigade camp, maybe, John. And he's lit the fire. He's got the fire going for these guys. And he says, Come and have breakfast. Come and have breakfast. They eat the fish and the bread for breakfast, probably a staple diet of many people around at the time, especially the fishermen. And again, I just kind of like think back to Jesus kind of maybe reminding them that I will provide for you. Remember the feeding of the 5,000 or so, the bread and the fish. It's just a reminder of who I am and what I can do. It says in verse 12 that none of them asked who this man was. They knew. They knew it could only be Jesus. The haul of fish, it could only be Jesus. But going back to Peter, just want to ask the question of where are we at in this great story? As Christians, as followers of Jesus, where are you? Would you be Peter, wrapping your coat around your waist and jumping in, desperate to see Jesus and to be with him? He's the only one of all the disciples that jumps in. 
The rest, it tells us, go back to the shore in the boat. Take the time. They've got a lot of fish that have now got to get to market and they've got to sell. That's a little bit of the priority in their head. Peter's not thinking that at all. I don't care. I want to see Jesus. He's desperate to see Jesus again, to be at his side, probably with a million questions and wanting, desperately wanting to say sorry for denying him. I kind of put that in my head. I kind of think that's where Peter would be at. It doesn't tell us in scripture at any point that Peter has apologised. Maybe he hasn't had the chance. Maybe it's done, but it's in one of the bits that isn't recorded. But maybe Peter is so desperate to see Jesus because he knows he denied him in the way he did. So where are you this morning? Are you in the boat? Or are you in the water? I don't believe there's a right or wrong answer to this. But just a challenge. How desperate are we to see Jesus? How desperate are we to see him work in our lives, in the lives of the ones we love, our friends, to see our church grow with new believers, new disciples, to see Billericay full of the love of Jesus. How desperate are we for that? Are we desperate enough that we would jump in the water? Or are we happy enough to carry on just rowing in the boat? How desperate are we for him? Last um, couple of Tuesdays ago, we had a fantastic day of prayer and fasting. Um, For those that we know are quite ill. And we had about 100 people come out to the morning prayer meeting and evening prayer meeting combined. We're desperate. We're desperate to see them healed. We want to see them healed. We don't want to sit in the boat. So we came out. We jumped in the water. We came together as a church collectively and prayed for them. We're really good at doing that as a church. In an emergency, in a crisis, there's something going on. We as a church mobilise to pray. That's exciting. That's great. What would it look like if we prayed like that every single week? Desperate to see Jesus break out in our town. I'll admit, I wasn't at the prayer meeting on Tuesday. I hold my hand up. But what would it look like if we prayed every week like that? Desperate to see Jesus break out in our town. Desperate. Jumping in the water like Peter did. I don't care. (laughs) I don't care about this haul of fish. The fish aren't important. It's seeing Jesus work in people's lives. That's what's important. Seeing Jesus work in people's lives. So how desperate are we for him? 
what would it look like if we prayed like that every week? To pray for our families, friends and neighbours to come to Christ. To pray for our town. To see Jesus breaking through in so many broken homes and so many broken lives. To pray for our young people for whom some feel that life can be sorted out at the end of a rope. That's desperate. To pray for God's vision for us as a church in Billericay. What I love in verse 12 is Jesus simply says to them, come. Come and have breakfast. Again, Jesus meeting over a meal. But Jesus simply says, come. Come to me. How desperate are we to go to Jesus? He's calling us to jump overboard. Swim as fast as we can to the shore. To be with him. To be on his mission, not our mission. I love the fact that when you read the rest of um, John 21, that Peter is reinstated. All is forgiven. All is forgiven, Peter. We don't read anywhere that he apologises. It literally is Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. At that point, Jesus has just said, come on, put this behind you. You are on a mission now. You are going to be a world changer. You are going to head up the church. You are going to instate something that is, instill something that is just going to be amazing. And he asks him three times. And three times, Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he says, feed my sheep. Maybe some of us feel like we need to be reinstated. Maybe some of us feel um, we've let Jesus down in many different ways. And Jesus simply says, come. Come. Come and be with me. To how desperate are you for Jesus this morning? How desperate are you for Jesus? The guys are going to come up and play a song that's reflective. Do not have to follow it, but please um, just spend time now asking that question yourself. How desperate am I for Jesus? And if Jesus literally says, come, then I will ask you this morning to jump out of the boat 
and offer everything you have to Jesus this morning as these guys play. And then we're going to spend a little bit of time afterwards praying um, for our town. But this, this moment right now is for you. You don't have to follow any words. Just let these guys sing over you. They really wanted to sing this song over you as a blessing. So please just take this time now as they sing this to reflect, to think about what I've just said. And where are you at this morning with Jesus? Jesus.